The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by Unity.org. Discover the transformative power of inner voice, a tarot deck of affirmations. Explore your true self, seek guidance, and find empowerment through ancient wisdom and modern insight. To learn more, visit go.unity.org forward slash tarot. Hi, everybody. This is Suzanne. If you find my podcast helpful, you can help me be a messenger of hope by following or subscribing to the Messages of Hope podcasts. This makes sure you never miss an episode. To do this, go to the Messages of Hope show page on mindbodyspirit.fm or Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Tap the plus sign in the upper right corner or just click follow. While you're there, why not give us a five-star rating or review and share an episode with a friend? My team and I appreciate you very much, and we hope you can feel deep in your heart and soul that you are so very loved. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody. Do we have a show for you today all about psychic abilities with one of the best psychics I've had the personal experience of coming to know. I've had sessions with her twice, and she's off the charts accurate and awesome. So even though I am technically a psychic medium, I focus on talking to people who have passed. She can do it too, but she focuses on the psychic part. So I'd like you to meet Annette Britka. Annette, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I understand you don't do a lot of interviews, do you? No, you know, actually I am uh, one of the psychics that I think that nobody knows about other than if you are told by your friend or loved one. Um, I don't have a website, so people come to me that don't know from me being ab- advertised. So even though I have done it in the past, I, I've shied away from it mostly up to this point. Yeah. And I love that because you're not out there to just get clients and get yourself out there to the world. And, and in fact, I found out about you from a friend. And I tell everybody that's the best way to find a medium, a healer, and now a psychic word. Yes. Of- I agree. I agree. And a restaurant. Why a restaurant? Well, you want to know where, you know, if somebody had a great meal and they say it's great, go there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when people call me and they sometimes they want to get a little five minute session and tell me, you know, can you tell me what I'm thinking of? How much change do I have in my pocket? And I said, well, you're calling me because somebody, you know, and love and trust referred you. And that's, you know, that's really the best advertisement. So that's what I've done. And it's worked, you know, for many years so far. Uh, So they're testing you ahead of time, huh? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I get that. I understand that. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So I have to admit that that I'm always skeptical when I consult a psychic, which I don't do too often, or when I have a reading with another medium, which I don't do too often. I guess that's human nature, but the results are, they speak for themselves and you get pretty good results. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, it's certainly not a profession I would have chosen. And I think it's too, um, you have to be on. You're always waiting to get a phone call of a confirmation that something came through. Every time I do a reading, I'm so nervous. You know, I I have a few clients that are celebrity, you know, musicians, artists, that sort of thing. And they always tell me before they perform or lots of times how nervous they are. And I feel the same way every time I do a reading. I do a meditation before and I always pray that whatever that person needs to hear, whatever's supposed to come through does. And then when somebody calls me or confirms something a month or two or whatever later and confirms what I said, I am always just as shocked as they are that it came through. 
And I pray to my spirit guide in the universe and God and everybody else, thank you for coming through again. But I always think my next reading will be my last because I never know that it will work. I am really just as surprised as everybody. That is just stunning to me that the, I, I feel uh, a bit sorry for you that that doesn't go away. Thank, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> for years, I've, I'm always nervous and anxious and I never know how long it'll last. So there's never a feeling of just, oh, I can just relax and help the next person. I'm, you know, there's this tremendous amount of fear that what if it doesn't come through? Well, this is one point I want to make. When I do psychic work with clients, it's, I'm not doing future work. This is just the way I operate. Yeah. It's, you know, they want to know about current issues and I tune in without my clients telling me and I discern the current issues and then we get guidance on those issues. But you are a future prophesying psychic and that I can understand for your your hesitation because you're telling people things that they're going to trust in, but you don't know, is it going to happen or not? Right. And as you know, from having a reading, I don't always see it the way that you would think. So it's not just, you know, I see you riding a red elephant. I see bits and pieces. So I ask the person to confirm it. Um, and then we both don't totally know that what I'm saying, for instance. And then a month later, you may say, oh, it happened. But it's really, it's kind of shaky because again, you're not sure. You I, That's why I need confirmation. I ask to, uh, you know, for the person to follow up. And I, uh, I just trust my spirit guide. I just believe that it will be the right thing. But I'd like to say, for, to, to, to confirm how valid your work is, having had two sessions with you, you're right. You get, you, you have a general concept like this has to do with a new house or this has to do with your job. And then you show what's going to happen. But it may not make sense to the recipient. But when it happens, all of a sudden, I'm going back twice and listen to the recordings. And it's crystal clear in hindsight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I from doing it for so long, I realized that I do have enough comfort with my spirit guide that I know he's pretty accurate, that most things do happen. Um, but it still is uh, a little uncertainty. But I do feel uh, a great reward that I, I feel like the person whoever's receiving the message, it's not always great, does feel happiness or joy or a connectedness at the end so i know that there's purpose in it um so i allow myself to kind of be driven through the hour not on a bumpy ride not knowing where we're going and as long as the client can feel some comfort or can kind of confirm things i just i am i'm along for the ride i, I, I always say i'm the messenger i don't know what i'm saying confirm it we go from there yeah and we're gonna dive in in this hour into you know how you work with your spirit guide and why them and and the kinds of things that come through, but let's back up a little. Every good interview has to talk about how it all began. And so tell us about your childhood regarding the psychic work. So most people don't know um, what I'm about to share with you. So when I was seven years old, I was um, I had a bedroom with my sister who was a year younger than me. And in the middle of the night, we had twin beds in the room. And in the middle of the night, my sister Barbara said, can you, you know, she was crying and I, I was startled. I looked up and in the doorway, there was a figure of a man that looked like Abraham Lincoln with a big hat on that was the size of the entire doorway. And at the time when I looked, I didn't know if Barb saw what I saw, but you know, she was the one crying. So, you know, I said, just don't look. 
And so she didn't look, but I couldn't not look. And I kept looking and I wasn't really afraid, but I was, I was afraid for her. And I knew that, that something was happening, but I didn't know what. So the next morning we get up and we were eating breakfast and she was really very still upset. And she asked me, do you remember what happened? I said, oh, I didn't know if you did. Yes. And we kind of confirmed notes. And I didn't really realize what was happening. My grandmother, um, I was raised in Chicago. My grandmother was a little bit of a famous psychic, but not really for money. She would get, you know, she would tell the neighbor things that were going to happen at his, you know, uh, General Mills plant or his wife or whatever, and they would barter. They would give her potatoes or onions or whatever, and that's how she got paid. So, and that was my father's mother. So she was, she had the gift. Then I knew I had the gift because she told me. I shared with her this gentleman in the doorway, and she explained to me that that's more than likely your spirit guide. Um, I was closed off to the idea of it. So she told me how to go into a trance state. So unless if I was meditating and I wanted to hear what was happening, I didn't have to. But uh, from that point on, I would see people in my family. If they were going to pass away, I would see their face melting. Oh, wow. Yeah, why why shared that with her and she said, Oh, I didn't know we were up to this point. And then she tried to tell me how to stay away from that. Um, and I did for a couple of years. And when I was ten years old, I was um we then moved to Arizona for a year. When I was ten years old, I was falling asleep and um I I felt like I was dreaming, but I was awake. But I you know, I was not in the right consciousness. And I saw a videotape or something um, that seemed like that. And it was of me, but I didn't know it at the time. And I saw like periods of my life flash forward in front of me, but again, not knowing it was me. And one of the things that I saw is I saw a young girl around the age of 11 or 12, and I saw her being abducted. And I saw her um, over a weekend, um, you know, lots of horrible things happening. But and I, and I felt her struggle and I kept like in my head trying to steer her away from the, the weekend that was taking place. And I didn't know how she was going to get away, but I just felt like it would be okay. And then I was shown um, the result that she, she would get away and that there would be a trial and that these men would be caught and, and her life going forward. And then I saw other things and that girl ended up being me. So Two years later, that actually happened to me. Um, my parents got divorced. Then we moved to Michigan. And over the weekend before I went to school in seventh grade, I was abducted from my bedroom. And it was over a three-day period. By strangers? Yes. The police were involved. The FBI were involved. And that was at a time um, where children that were abducted, I so even though I was all over the news, you couldn't see my face. My name was not told on TV because back then they didn't tell you. Um, so when this was happening to me and I was like stuck in this room, I had duct tape on my eyes and my mouth and I couldn't couldn't get away. I, I was laying there and in the room there was a radio on and the radio was of a Christian station. It kept saying, if you believe in God, God will help you. And, and I'm laying there and I forgot about the video. I forgot about two years prior. And I was laying there and I'm like, if there is God, you, you need to help me get out of here. And all of a sudden I realized that that girl was me. So I took off the tape and I saw a window. So I was on the second story. I saw a window and I saw that the screen was up and there was like curtains and there were billowing. So I could see that, you know, I can get out. And then I heard somebody come up the stairs. So I hurried up and put the tape back on my eyes. And then, you know, whatever happened, happened. And then about an hour later, one of the 
abusers went down the stairs. And then I saw the telephone. I picked up the phone, took the tape off, called my mom. The FBI was at my house. And they kept saying to me, try to look around. Look out the window. Tell us your surroundings. And I did, but then I heard them come back upstairs. So I hung up the phone. And then 10 minutes later, after they left, I thought, I have to get myself out of here. And I hurried to put my clothes on. I was beaten up. I was bloody. And I jumped out of a second-story window. And I hobbled over to the next-door neighbor. And uh, he was working, lying on the, the driveway, I'll never forget, working on his Corvette. And I just said, you know, he said, are you the girl that's been on the news? And I said, yes, I need your help. And he brought me into his house. We called 911. And it ended up that these gentlemen, so there were two gentlemen that abducted me. They lived only four miles away from me, where I lived. Um, they were, they ended up being caught. They served 26 years in prison each. So from that moment on, when I realized that I had to help myself, like even though I had the, the knowledge ahead of time, I didn't know how this would work out for this girl. And I believe that the reason why my spirit guide came to me at that time when I was so young, and even though I cut him off and I didn't want to really know anything about this, even though my grandmother told me that it would probably be likely that I would be psychic, that she felt that that would be something I would want to do at some point in my life, um, you know, I didn't want to see my family's face members, you know, melting. I didn't want to know any of that. But I think that he came to me because he was alerting me to what was going to happen to let me know to have confidence in getting myself out of the situation. And from that point on, from 12 years old on, I started working with the FBI, helping find missing children. And then this became a career that I would never have chosen. I don't know what I would have chosen, but I never had a choice. And which has been fine because it's been fabulous. I guess that's the right way to put it. Um, but it, it kind of um, took over for me. So from that point on, I would go to school and I would be a normal kid. And I was a cheerleader and do all the, th you know, write a science report. But I was doing readings for the police and the FBI, helping find missing children. And then when I graduated high school, I thought, you know what? I have to get out of Chicago because now everybody kind of knew who I was. And I moved to California. And then I started to get a celebrity clientele and I had, you know, producers and directors and movie stars and athletes. And that was great for a few years. And then I thought, okay, well, I don't want to really live in the limelight. I want to, you know, I just want to have a little house and get married and do all that. And that's why I decided that if I was going to do this work, I would let people find me. I was not going to advertise. I was not going to, you know, I even at one point in my career, I went to Florida and I interviewed to be, um, remember uh, Cleo? the psychic on 1-800, um, the psychic network. Um, yeah. yeah, there was, there was a Jamaican woman. It was her and I that interviewed for the same position. It was, I was going to be a psychic on TV oh. and I went and interviewed and I thought, Oh, this isn't for me. This is exactly what I don't want. And I got the job and I said, you know what? Thanks, but no, they, you know, this is not what I'm really looking to do. And then from that point on, I said, just following your instinct. You wanted to just do this from your home. If people called and I just sat back and waited and they did. And so when I reached out, you know, I, I would really like to interview you because you're the real deal. You were hesitant, but you said you started to get intuitive feelings and your guy is yeah. saying, be ready for this. Yeah. What do you yeah. think is the next stage? Just more clients, more? more um, you know, I think I know. I mean, I think so. One of the reasons why I agreed to this, is, even though I was really nervous about doing this, is I feel like this is the next stage. I feel like the way that I do reading, so I do it full time. I do it mostly every day, every week. It's a little different based on my clientele. But I feel like um, not that I'm trying to reach more people necessarily, because I think that doing one-on-one -on -one readings fits me best. 
But I think that I'm trying to do it on a different scale or meet different people that come to me. I have a lot of repeat clients. Um, and, you know, and I'm not a therapist, so sometimes they want me to be a therapist, but that's not really what I want to do. So I think that I have to sit back and let the universe tell me and my spirit guide tap me on the shoulder and me just be open to it. Well, so, this is the, yeah. the Awaken Way community that, that pays attention to the, the Messages of Hope podcast is a very loving community. They're spiritual. They're they're all on the path. And I, I everybody who deals with our community says what how nice they are, how how that you'll love you're gonna get a lot of emails i'll give you her annette's email at the end of the program everybody but you're gonna get blooded <laughs> but you'll notice the difference thank you thank you thank you yes but you'll notice the difference so i'm curious every it's so funny everybody asks me does, does my spirit guide have a name and i say they really don't have names but they'll give you one if you ask so what do you call your guide i so when i was a kid since i met you know abraham lincoln i wanted to name him and my grandmother kept saying, well, his name will come. And it never came. I said, well, when is he going to mail it to me? How am I going to know? He's going to tell me. And she said, well, because I was trying so hard. She was just name him. And I named him David. So from the time that I was 10 years old till now, um, he's been David to me. Just, and it feels right and perfect. And do you sense him most of the time or only when you're working? No, all the time. All the time. All the time. So you can just, like I do with my guides, is just ask a question. Here he is. Yes, 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 yes. So, boy, if we could, the, the question of free will and what is preordained comes up all the time. You were two years before you were abducted, you saw that. So, a couple of questions in a row. Why didn't your grandmother see it if she's psychic? And if your guides are showing you that that's going to happen, why didn't somebody intervene? These are deep questions that are always fun to dive into. Well, I don't know. As far as my grandmother goes, so I think that my grandmother was, um, I mean, she was really very good at her craft. Um, I think I'm a little bit better, but not better, just different. And I don't know that she, I don't know that she could have known. I don't think that she did. Um, when it happened um, years later and we discussed it, she kept apologizing that she didn't know. And I said, oh, no, you know, you weren't supposed to know. So, and I didn't know either. I didn't know who that girl was. I didn't, I had no idea until I was in the situation and until I almost jumped out of the window or I was contemplating and I realized like, oh, shit, you know, this is me. I have to get myself out of this. I was that girl. I do see the end result that I'll be okay, but I'm going to be okay. Not because, you know, the FBI is going to charge through the door and save me because I'm going to save myself. So I have to help myself get out of this. So yeah. that's what I, that's the whole reason why I believe I was shown because I do believe that we have free will, but I believe that mostly it is preordained because when I do a reading, I see uh, someone's Akashic record. So I see the blueprint of your life. So even though I tell somebody that, you know, you do have free will, but if, you know, we're talking about you buying a car, you can determine if you're going to get a Toyota or a BMW, but you're going to get a car. So I do think that there's things that we can decide. And I think that some decisions that maybe are not in your Akashic record because are your free will, you know, putting you down a different path or fork for a while. But ultimately, you go to that fork that I see, not because I'm so spectacular, but because I'm just the messenger and this is always what was going to happen. Um, so I don't want people or myself even to think that we don't have any say in anything because I think that we are um, spiritual beings living, you know, our best life through this human experience to learn for our soul's perfection. So I do believe that is what this is all about. This is a learning experience. And, you know, if you're in third grade, you have to get to fourth grade. And if you don't, you have to repeat third grade. 
Um, so I do think that that's the lesson we're supposed to learn. And I think that, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, that's not easy. It's not easy to understand what we're supposed to do. So I think that if we thought, well, there was no free will, we would just fumble through. You know, I wouldn't, if I didn't think there was free will, I would not have jumped out of the window because I wouldn't recognize that I had to save myself. So I try to be careful when people ask me that because sometimes really str people struggle. Sometimes somebody will call me or come to me and they'll want a reading. And the only thing I ask somebody, so I don't know anything about the client, but I ask, is there anything you don't want to know? Because I don't want to ruin your day or ruin your life for the next three months if it's not something you're prepared to hear. However, I find that most people always say they want to hear everything. And that's also not what they want to hear. You know, they're usually calling for a few reasons. And, you know, for example, sometimes I'll tell somebody and many times I see you getting divorced and they'll say, oh, are you crazy? I love my husband. He's fabulous. Never in a zillion years. I believe that that after that client leaves me because that's not what she wanted to hear. She wanted to hear about her promotion or her son or whatever it is. They'll say, well, you know what? She might be right about a lot of things, but not, you know, me and George, we're perfect. We're going to stay together forever. And because of your free will and the feeling that you want to hold on to the idea of this relationship, you're going to fight for it. Had I not said anything, maybe you would just let things develop. So I don't ever, when people are asking about that question about free will, I don't want to make it seem like, well, you don't have any, because that takes the fun out of this human experience and you're learning from it. But I also want people to know that you don't have to worry because not every decision is yours alone. You know, there is somebody above us who's, who is helping us steer the way. And I think that the best solution is kind of sit back like I'm doing here and just, you know, allowing us to be tapped on the shoulder and knowing that, you know, we don't have to be the only one that's driving the ship. Somebody else can steer us along the way. And between the combination of your free will and then what is destined for you, I think is the best way to have that human experience. Yeah. And then you have other people's free will that gets in the way too. So yeah. That, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So here you are 12 years old. You've been abducted. I hope you had some help to clear out any trauma. Ton. I mean, you know, and I don't want to say more than I can, I care for Cause you know, there's never enough. I mean, for many, many, many years, um, then everybody in my family had to, and then people that were close to me had to. So, yeah, and it's it's kind of an ongoing situation because at different points in my life, certain things could be triggered. So it's not a one and done. It's a forever life process. Yeah. But you really turned it into helping others, which is yeah. Yeah. beautiful. Wow, I had no idea you did that help with missing people. Uh, so... How did that unfold for you, helping the FBI and the police that you work through your guide? I've never heard of, I haven't dealt with a lot of other psychics. I've never heard of psychics getting everything from their guides. When we watch TV, it always appears that the psychic just knows. But it's very clear in a session with you. You check with your guide. My guide is showing me this. It oh, feels yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't just know. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely do not just know. I mean, so... I think, you know, this was like an evolution for me because, what you know, what as a child, you know, I, I'm not as fine-tuned then as I was, as, let's say, perhaps I am now in a reading. So it was definitely a learned event. Uh, my grandmother helped me with some things, but, you know, this was many, this was 50, you know, 45 years ago. She wasn't able to help me like maybe nowadays I could help my grandchild or whatever. Um, so I learned by just listening to my spirit guide. And when I would have moments of, you know, like rock bottom distress saying, you know, take, I want to be a teacher. I want to, you know, 
serve ice cream. I want to, you know, be the mayor of my town. I want to do something else. This isn't, doesn't feel so great. And I would hit rock bottom and I would say, take this way. I don't want this. And I would sit and I would hear, well, you don't have to, you know, just let me do the work. I'll tell you. And I'll tell you in ways that don't seem scary. So I'll stop melting faces and I'll, you know, and, and we actually, around that time, it was when I don't, well, of course you'll remember Gilligan's Island. And oh, sure. Your guy would whisper to me and say, for example, if I want to say the name Ginger, I'm going to show you Ginger from Gilligan's Island. So it doesn't matter if we're talking about the food, or if we're talking about a name, or if we're talking about somebody's red hair, that's how, and so we would have these like little tips or little tricks that him and I would have. So I wouldn't know what he would mean. And so over the course of many years, we would just do it this way. So I would just understand what he was saying. And then through my client confirming, and that's why I always say, please confirm if things make sense. And if they don't let me know, because I could perhaps be getting the message wrong. Um, and that's how I do it. But it's not like just looking at my crystal ball and, oh, I see. I wish. It, and as you know, going through it, it's not like that at all. I, I wanted to share. It was so cute when you started my last session. You said, well, right off the bat, my guide is showing me you and, you and your husband are about to do something with your work that's not your normal way of working. And it might seem a little unusual to you, but your husband is going with you and he's totally, my guide wants me to say, on board with this. And I just started laughing. I said, yeah, we're about to lead my first cruise to Alaska. And it's something we don't, we've never done. It's something we hadn't thought of doing. And the on board thing was just so funny. Right, right, right. right. And that's my spirit's funny way yeah. of saying things so that I force myself to say it because I don't know what on board means, but you do. And that's all the confirmation that we need to then go forward. Yeah. 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 And you said, you said, and you're already lined up to do a second one. And I said, yes, you're right. But nobody knows that. And she said, and you won't, you will have just completed the first one and they're going to offer you a third one. And when that phone call came, I laughed out loud. I said, this was in the car. Right, 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 right. No pun intended. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. how, how about your own future? Does your, does your guide guide you too much or leave that the surprises up to how you're like? So what I, so here's the good and the bad news about that. So I saw everything unravel, like I said, prior to this 12-year-old event of my entire life. So I saw myself as this 12-year-old girl and every major event from then, had I known at 10 years old that that was me, maybe I would have paid more attention, but I didn't even know who we were talking about. So as I reflect back on my life and I see, wow, oh yes, this is one of those major events. So I was shown seven things, five things have happened. They're not all pleasant things, if I, like that one example. Um, but it does confirmed to me that I am living the life that I know I'm meant to live and that um, it gives me confidence that there is a higher being. I mean, because I think that one of the reasons why we all find life so difficult is because we feel alone. We feel that every decision is monumental because, you know, we have all this stress ourselves and how are we going to make the decision? But if you know that it's not really only our decision, that it is preordained anyways and the universe is helping us steer us so it's not just you know what should I take the job should I not should I get divorced should I not and if you can, can kind of sit back and let yourself be shown the way there's less anxiety you feel much more comfortable in the decision you feel just lighter so for my life I have felt during really difficult decisions light because I felt that 
you know, when I got divorced from my first husband, um, my daughter was four years old at the time. I didn't know if this was the right decision, but I knew it was going to happen. I thought, okay, well, yeah, this is, you know, I'm not just being um, impulsive. I don't just don't like the way he breathes that day. You know, there's reasons I feel this way and it gives me comfort. And so I do see things in my own life, but I do you know, struggle with things. Just like, you know, you know, I reached out to you recently and asked you to help me in, in a personal matter. And I don't ever do that. I don't really ever reach out to anybody. And this was one area of my life that I felt so, um, that I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know to trust what I believe, if I needed help. And, and you were so perfect in the way that you responded, which I kind of knew was probably going to be the answer anyways, that you just said, relax, you know, things will work out the way they're supposed to. And you kept guiding me and helping me and checking in on me. And it worked out perfectly the way it was supposed to. Um, so, you know, just like everybody else, people that I do readings for, it's very helpful. Yeah. And I love that. When you say let people know we're not alone, everybody loves to hear about spirit guides. I know my understanding of this, but tell everybody about their spirit guides. Well, I believe that every we all have them. I think that, you know, like we can all play basketball doesn't mean we'll all be Michael Jordan. Um, but I do believe that in everybody's life, if you tune into that energy and you would develop a relationship, so just like you would any other relationship in your life that you, you know, hey, you know, I'm Annette, nice to meet you. What's your name? What can I call you? I want you to help me. How are we going to develop this relationship? How am I going to get the cues and the clues? You know, and if you put the energy like you would into a new romance or your best friend or your neighbor or a boss or whatever. It's the same thing. And you develop that relationship and then you find out that things that would be a sixth sense, um, follow your intuition is no longer just a stab in the dark, but it's really something that you can trust because it's tried and true. In the beginning, I used to play tricks with my spirit guide and I'd say, okay, listen, you're so great. Tomorrow, I want you to show me. And I would put in my head, like sometimes I would say a four leaf clover or a three-legged dog or uh whatever you know crazy still play that game it's fun i do too but that's what my spirit guide would do is while i was thinking you would like make my mind mind blank and he would show me something i'd say oh no no i don't want to see a pirate i want and then the next day i'd see both you know so this way i'm showing me okay i'm listening to you but also this is you know to prove to me it's not me playing tricks on myself and i do that now i tell my clients as well um that's how you develop your relationship. So do these things because it really does, you know, you don't always need a psychic. You don't always need to call 1-800-ANET. You can find out the answer. That's yourself. not her number, by the way. <laughs> right. We know it's not. We're not going to give it, but you're right. Um, and it's helpful. It just, it, it just makes you feel prepared. It's like putting on a seatbelt. Beautiful. Yeah. We are not alone. And, and, and it's, for me, it's a dance. It's like take one step, move with the guide. We flow together and it, oh boy, do they keep us out of trouble that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into the, the big elephant in the room that people often don't want to talk about and that's death. You said to me both times, is there anything you don't want to know? And I said, yes, I don't want to know when I'm going to die. Right. I talk about anybody else and you can talk about anything else, but what good would it do me to know this? Right. And you were good with that, but how, what's your thought on knowing when we're going to die? I think that it's such a great question because everybody wants to know. So even when I tell people, yeah, yeah. I tell people the same thing. I tell them, because um, I have a little spiel in the beginning. So the first three minutes, it's kind of the same to every client. What don't you want to know? 
And I go through the, and they say, well, everything. I said, well, here's an idea of what you could hear. So I give them an idea of the bad things. And when I say the death, I will say that, well, I won't tell you of your own passing, but if I happen to see somebody else's passing and their head or the body, that is something I will tell you. And they're always like, that's fine. And me. And I'll say, okay, well, I'm not going to tell you you. And I believe the reason why we should not know, because even though I do see that person's passing, it doesn't help them. And I do many readings for people that are terminally ill. And they said, well, you know, just tell me, because if I'm going to, if I know I'm going to die, I want to see my, you know, nephew Susie Q. And I'll say, well, you have the terminal four, you know, stage four cancer. Call Susie Q. Don't wait for me. You know, call her. Get her and do it over here. Yeah, do it now. I mean, you know, and so I don't believe it's helpful because I do think that it is kind of like beating the clock. You know, I had a conversation with my girlfriend earlier today about um, something that I've been struggling with and a relationship that I've been struggling with. And I said, you know what? Rather than think about how long does that person have to live? Because that's kind of what I've been fighting with. I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter if that person has 30 years. What I'm going to do is make the most of now. I'm going to make it. the most of the next three days. I don't care. I've been so fixated on the end when I know, because I tell every, you know, every single reading I say, I'm not, that's the one thing I'm not going to tell you. But this one person who's so close to me, I'm so consumed with this that I, I was not living in the moment. I wasn't enjoying the relationship because I'm so worried about when they're going to check out. I should know better. And it, it was just like this epiphany that I've had recently that I thought, oh my God, you know, and, and my spirit guy is, you know, leaning back and, you know, shaking his head and you got to be kidding me. You're finally realizing this. And, I, and it really opened my eyes that it doesn't matter when we all pass and we're not supposed to know because, you know, it does change the dynamics of how we interact with everybody because yeah. we are supposed to live in the moment and just, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter if I see you 50 more times or five more times. It's what happens in those times. I, I glanced up as you were saying that because I got that message from my guides this morning about time passes, but time, forget it. This is the moment. Engage with the people. I tell everybody, don't wait until you have to see a medium to test. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we learned that from my Susan's passing. Life can just pass in an instant. So tell people you love them now. Make your, right. your apologies. Ask for forgiveness now. Right, right. And, and you know, when you had mentioned so early in my career, it seemed like every reading I did or every interaction with somebody was somebody from the other side coming through. And I would do, I, I was known for that for many, many years, which was fine. But then it got to a point where um, when mediumship became somewhat more famous, I mean, now it's off the charts, but in the, you know, many years ago, 40 years ago, it wasn't. So in the beginning, you know, I was one of them that were out there and it was okay. And I would tell people things that I could not possibly know. And they'd say, okay, that's great. So you're describing my, you know, uncle from Istanbul and his, you know, pink elephant wallpaper that you could not know about. But besides that, what other message does he have for me? And I'd be like, ah, okay, hold on. Let me see. You know, and it, it got so exhausting. And I would find that they would be happy and they would be relieved and they but then I would hear from them and they'd say well did they say anything else and I felt like I wasn't doing anybody a real service because I was either not comforting them enough or not bringing the right message through so now when I do readings I try not to talk about the other side but as you know I mean they'll just come through if they have to or if they want to um and you don't, you know you can't really organize your reading I mean sometimes they say okay well this person only wants this but if the person says they're open to anything, whatever happens, happens. Whoever walks through that door or that window is what happens. So let's talk about that because I tell people your loved ones 
are around because they exist beyond yes. space and time. They're always here, but they're not always focused on yeah. you. But there's a difference between the, saying that and in, in an actual reading, when we say they step into the room, they actually do. I don't see them, but I'd love for you to discuss how can they be beyond this reality, but during a session or when they visit, they are actually in our reality. Well, you know, so what I believe, because from my experience as a kid doing this, I I always thought there was, a, some Catholic always thought there was a heaven where we would go to, you know, you get on a plane or an angel flies you up or whatever. And then I realized from my readings, not from my religion or my faith, I realized that heaven is here. Heaven is vibrating at a different speed right in front of us or right, you know, arm's length. So it's not a destination. It's it's a different vibration, but all around us. So I didn't know that. I didn't realize that it took a few years to even get that. And then when I would try to articulate that, um, because again, you know, our knowledge of, of life in the other side wasn't as pronounced as it is now. And lots of people have ideas of what it is. So I don't believe that it is anybody who's passed away is beyond us. I believe it's just, they're all still with us. And I mean, and they're better off than we are. I mean, they're, you know, they're not living a human experience like we are. They're already their spiritual being again. They're living this very high vibrated life that is fabulous. Um, so by knowing that and knowing that my own personal life and for every client that I don't want to say I don't fear death because I'm not ready to go, but I realize that there is no end to anything. There is no end to any relationship. There is no end to being that it's just being at a different level. So I, I love your description. It completely jibes with my understanding that it's just, I'd say it's like a different channel. Like right, all right. TV signals are here, but we're tuned into this earthly physical realm channel. So we don't see their channel. But what, do you, what is your understanding of what happens when somebody literally makes their presence known, like steps through the wall? What is going on there? Um, meaning what I feel or what I believe they're going through? Yeah. What are they, what makes it happen so that they are literally present with us in the room rather than vibrating at their different channel well i think they have to slow down their vibrations so i think it's an intentional um knowing to come through so i you know I, i've done so many readings that somebody will contact me and say can you please contact my uncle henry and i'll say well i don't know if uncle henry will come through but people could or whomever we don't know who it could be so we'll wait and see and then sometimes uncle henry does and sometimes 50 other people do and not uncle henry and they, they make it known, you know, hey, I'm not Uncle Henry, but I'm so-and-so. And I put the message out. And there is just... May I interrupt you a second and just tell you that the last reading I did, Uncle Henry, literally, Uncle Henry. Uh, you know, I almost didn't say the name Henry because that was an old dog that I had. And I kept, yeah, I should you know, say Uncle Henry, Uncle Henry. Yeah. Um, but it's, they make their presence known. Like sometimes if, if I feel a lot of, or I sense a lot of um, beings that's in the room, They'll step in front of each other. They'll push each other. You know, they they make their presence known. You know, every reading is different. Every time somebody comes through, it's different. But it is no question they're here. Just like if somebody were to walk in the room. If three people walked in the room at the same time and one's shouting louder than the other, but, what you know, they're all different heights. You, you see everybody, but you, you feel everyone's presence in a different way. And it's exactly the same as how I feel when somebody comes through. Yeah, this is what I'm grappling with because I know all beings are here because there's only here in consciousness. So what makes in a reading or any time that one person stand out and step forth? Yeah. 
I don't know if I have the answer for that. I believe that it is um, whoever's receiving the message is supposed to get it. Again, whether it's Uncle Henry or whomever. Yeah. Um, and I believe that it's just everything is kind of at the perfect moment uh, coming together. It's at the right time. They're receiving it at the right time. I'm able to get the message. The person's able to come through. Because I do believe, you know, I've had, a, well, not a few. I've had quite a few people that have passed over that have either been my clients or my family members or friends that we make a deal. We say, okay, when you get to the other side, you can call me directly. You're going to, you know, you're going to show me a white uniform and I'll know that you're in the room or whatever. And that we'll be able to talk. And it never works that way. I mean, it, it actually recently worked that way with a girlfriend of mine who passed away. We had a certain code. And every time she comes through, she shows me that code and she recently passed away. So I don't know if I'm just better at this. So now I know how to, you know, set the code up between the two of us. Yeah. Um, so I don't know why certain people come through. I just know that I feel that whoever comes through, it's supposed to happen. You know, they're, they're pushing to the front. They want to be seen and heard. And again, I never say to people, oh, you know, your great grandmother's around. You're safe. She's thinking about you. I mean, I say, show me something I cannot know. Show me the money. Show me the, the whatever phrase, the picture, the scene, something that the person gasps and, and, you know, they're in awe. That's what I need because, you know, your grandmother is with you. You know, it has to be something I could not possibly know. Right. I won't even say it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yes. You say that you go into trance to do your work and there is this pause when you start your work yeah. and when you start a session, yet you're fully conscious because you're talking with your client. Tell us about your trance process. So when I do a reading in person, um, I am in a dark room. So my client comes in, I sit in a chair before my client and they're behind me and we're both facing the wall and my eyes are shut during the whole reading. And I, oh. uh, and I actually, when I start the reading, I do it. So when you're in person, I start the meditation like I do when we're on the phone, three to four minutes. And I kind of slump over a little bit. And so throughout the whole reading, I am, again, you hear my voice, but I'm a little slumped over. My eyes are shut throughout it, throughout it. And I just start talking. So I do talk like, you know, like you heard, but, and it is a feeling of being conscious, but I'm in a completely relaxed state in that I am, I have meditated with my spirit guide in the universe prior to this. And I'm asking to just, again, pleading and begging, just show me something, help this person. Um, because again, I'm always nervous and that I just want to be relaxed. I want to not have to perform. So I want everything to come through me. I want to be receptive and open that I can receive whatever he's trying to sh show me and that I can just be an open channel. And so um, that's a lot of what the three or four minutes is. And then I just ask that the white light of the Holy Spirit are around us within us and whatever we're supposed to find out that we hear and that that person leaves better off and higher than they came in, in whatever way, shape or form they're meant to. And then I just, again, say, help me and then I just start and then we just see what happens yeah and that's how it goes and you it's very clear you do that and you get in the flow you can tell you're yeah. just yeah right right, right yeah right. so how about uh you're you're in New Jersey right now yeah. yeah the Long Island medium is famous on TV but yeah. I don't think I've ever seen the show but for going up to people and saying your loved one is here do you perceive things about people you don't know randomly. I know you 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 have this deliberate process, but does that happen to you that suddenly you're picking up on things? Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine there's a reason for that, but how do you deal with that? Um I I I mean that's a good question. I guess it depends on what it is. I mean I I see, you know, major world events. Um uh, so for example, 
prior to 9-11 happening, I, 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 I don't want to say knew 9-11 was going to happen, but I knew a major event was going to happen. And in uh, about 10 readings prior to 9-11, within that month, within that 30-day period, I should say not that month, within a 30-day period, within uh, 10 readings specifically, um, some of my clients would ask about some you know, major events, and I described this event to 10 particular clients. Um, so I don't broadcast. Like if I feel like something is going to happen, I don't call you know, the news channel or tell my neighbor. I, you know, I kind of keep it private. Um, because a lot of times I don't know what I'm saying. You know, I, you know, in, you know, after the event took place, I realized, oh, that's 9-11. I, um, even though I saw it in its entirety, you know, I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know how soon it would be, even though it felt soon. Um, so, I mean, I guess it depends. I, I don't, if I see something about my neighbor, let's say, I don't tell my neighbor. I don't ever, if, unless if somebody asks me, and more than ask me, and unless if they really want a reading, if they just say, hey, am I going to be okay? You know, goof around. I don't say, uh, no, you know, um, because I do believe that, you know, even though the information's there for everybody to have, if you don't really want it, I don't want anybody to be afraid. And I think too much knowledge could be something that could be frightening. So I just sit back and I wait to be asked because I don't view any experience as a terrible experience. So even though obviously winning the lottery is better than breaking your leg, I realize that those are two significantly different experiences, but I do realize from a spiritual level that breaking your leg is just as important as winning the lottery and maybe more so because usually the biggest change happens when those terrible events take place. And we learn for our soul's perfection when those things take place. So I realize that it's just the way that we react to things that happen. So I don't, you know, if I see somebody getting into a car accident, that's not usually what I see. I don't say, oh, don't go driving next Tuesday. But if I see it at an event, I don't think of it as like maybe that person would think like, oh my gosh, you know, had I known, I wouldn't have broken my leg. But I think you were supposed to break your leg. So, and in my own life, I have to sometimes remind myself that these things are happening purposely. You know, I didn't accidentally break my leg. I just think it's an accident. Um, you know, like a disease is supposed to happen. You know, we could do things to help us. I think we should go to the doctor. But I mean, ultimately, I think that we make a contract before we come into this lifetime of the things that we're supposed to go through. You know, I signed up for all of this, knowing what I need to learn from my, my soul's perfection, just like when you go to high school and you're sitting with your guidance counselor and you're picking out your classes, knowing what you need kind of the same thing in your life's journey yeah I, I wanted to say that some of the things you told me in my session are unpleasant but and why do we even want to know these things why why do why do we want a reading with a psychic whether this is innate curiosity for me it's very helpful to be prepared because yeah. I know that life has its ups and downs and we're not here to avoid them we're here to grow from them but to be prepared gives us a chance to say well if this happens what is the best, the highest way to react? Right, right. You know, it's like going on a road trip. And with a road trip, you would want your GPS on. You'd want your seatbelt on. You want to have a full tank of gas because you want to get there without the least amount of disturbance that you can, without being as stressed out as maybe you could perhaps be. So I do believe, even though I don't get many readings, when I reached out to you, I mean, it was probably the first time in 30 years I've ever reached out to anybody. I was honored. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I don't want to say you should be, but I just don't do it because I, I should know better. Um, but you handled this so perfectly. And what you said to me was what I needed to hear so that I could reflect and, and realize the bigger picture of everything. Um, but I do think that getting a reading, and I don't mean like because you're, I'm Dr. Phil and, you know, I, I can tell you how to raise your children. But I do think a reading could be with the right person 
extremely helpful. You know, it, 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 it reminds you that you're on the right track. It reminds you that whatever is taking place in your life is not, again, accidentally happening, but accidentally on purpose, and that's okay, and you can break your leg and go to rehab and, and heal. You can get divorced. You can fight with your kids. You can not like your neighbor. You can do all these hard things, have hard relationships, and still feel like I'm on pace. And it, it's it's a way to check in. And it's it's not about, you know, people, I always say that the person that should be the most shocked in the reading is me. The person that leaves is in shock because, again, most of the time you're able to confirm a lot of things that then when I tell you future events, you know, there's some feeling of, okay, well, she's got these nine things right. Maybe she'll get the next six things right. But a sense of like, okay, I'm on the right path. I'm, I have a little bit of a guide for the future. And I believe that it should helpfully make the road ahead a little bit easier. It, it does. That's beautiful. Let's come back to your missing person cases. I love stories. And I know you, we don't need names or specific details. But tell us an example or two of the success stories, because clearly you were successful or they wouldn't keep coming back to you. I, can, I can't imagine FBI agents going to a 12-year-old. Yeah, well, you know, one of the reasons why, so it didn't, so they were not knocking on my door. Um, it, they, they knocked on my door because once I described what happened to me, you know, the FBI agents that were in my case, and then I developed a relationship with these two gentlemen. And as a result of that, and I, I explained that I had this foreknowing of what was going to take place, but I didn't know what was going to be me. I had no idea that this was going to be me. Um, and then they, again, this was so many years ago when this started that they just kind of rolled the dice. I, I think that they thought, well, you know, who cares? we need help. We, you know, or she, if she can help us, let's, you know. And so yeah. a lot of times when I help, I don't help because I find the missing children alive. Sometimes they're not alive, but it gives the family closure. So yeah. You know, in the very beginning, I mean, I, I would tell you many cases were the opposite of what I thought I was, you know, I thought I was supposed to have this, you know, success story like myself. And then I realized that, and I was going to throw in the towel and I thought, you know, just, I want to be 14 or 15 or 16. I don't, this sucks. I want to, you know, work at Dairy Queen. I don't want to do this. And I, and, and there was a, a mother in particular, um, she had a set of twins and both of them had been abducted and they were found in different states and they were not alive. And. I, you know, this was my throw in the towel period. I thought, this is it. I'm not going to do this any longer. And she said to me, um, you know, you you gave me a gift that I can now move on. And I said, oh, you know, I, I kept apologizing that I didn't get them sooner. And she said, no, I realized that was always going to be the outcome. But now I, I know the outcome. Had it not be for you, I might not have ever known where they were. And I could have spent the rest of my entire life searching for them. Yeah. And in that moment, and again, I'm so young and again, back in, you know, 40 years ago when nobody really knew stuff like this, it, it dawned on me that, you know, a success story is that as well, you know, because we all want to be found. We all want that bad story to end where we are, you know, given back to our family or we're put to rest the way we should um, with some dignity and everybody have closure. So success to me is different than other people because again, it's, about closure but in that case with well, you can change the the details but what were you shown that helped the police find these children so first i didn't know that there were twins and i saw a doll and i saw so i don't know if you can remember old dolls that back in the day would have those snap on arms snap on legs so if you're a little kid playing with a doll you can just snap those arms off easily so i was shown a doll 
David showed me a doll and he showed me arms that were snapping off. So I, I, I didn't know. And he would, he would put them back on and then he would make me see doubles. So then I, I kept thinking, all right, I see two dolls, but then he would break the arms off and then he would scatter them. And he took an arm and he put it in another room. So he would had the doll with one arm in one room and the other arm in the other room. And then I, I, I just kept saying one doll, two dolls. And I, 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 I said twins. And then I, there was confirmation that it was twins, but I didn't, you know, it's not like I just knew twins. I had a, it led to this. And then after a while, I realized that the arms in two different rooms meant two different states because he kept showing me the doorway and that it had a lead. And, and again, I, you know, at 15 years old, which is what I was going on 16, I didn't even know it was the agent who kept saying, you know, um, I said, it's two different rooms. And he's like, describe the room. And, and again, you know, this is the work in progress at the time. And I'm, I'm describing the outline and he says, well, the door, does it have a border? Does it have a frame around it? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay, does it seem like you're going out of that room, going into the next one with another frame? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay, do you think the frame could be a border? And he, I said, oh, yes. And then he said, could it be another state? And then I would, and then David would show me yes, because I didn't even have the right even words at that age to, you know, now I do, but back then I didn't, you know, I knew what two different states were, but I had I had the vocabulary at 15 years old to know about this. So um, I was being shown. So with the help of the right person and the help of my spirit guide and just really allowing myself to see what I see and not say, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm not even going to say it because it, how could that make sense? And then that's why I do meditate every time before my reading because I don't want my, you know, myself to try to come up with the answers because if I lose my car keys, I can't find them. So I need help. I need David to come in and take over. And that's the whole idea of the meditation. So I can just, like you said, I can just be kind of loose and just whatever I'm supposed to see or feel, I do. And I can bring that message out. Um, and that's kind of how it works, you know. Um, and in that case, it was an unraveling. It took about 12 hours um, to uncover all of this. And again, it was, you know, it, it took a long time. I mean, I was in one room, I mean, for 12 hours, but, you know, we would break and whatever. And wow. Wow. So that's why I felt guilty at the end that had I done it quicker, because it was not quick. I mean, 12 hours seemed like two weeks to me. I thought maybe I would save them. It ended up that they were they had passed way before that 12-hour period anyways, but it was about finding their bodies, giving the family closure. Um, and, and it you know, it's, it sticks with me, I mean, for sure, that I realized that there's there's value in that for everybody, everybody around. Um that's a sad story. I mean, there's some good, happy stories, but yeah, let's hear one. <laughs> one where, um, actually, there was a, a young kid in Long Island, and this was not too long ago. This was about ten years ago. His mother came to me, and he was a mistake, and he had write, wrote a suicide letter, and he wanted to kill himself, and she had felt, and you know, kind of sensed that he was going to do this, and she, but she didn't know where he was. She didn't know if he passed yet, or. And I said, No, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's still here. And she's like, Well, I need to find him to save him. I go. Well, you can't save him. I said, you know, and she kept saying, well, do you think he's going to live? And I kept saying, well, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know. I felt like it, but I didn't know for sure. I said, I don't know, but he has to save himself. And she goes, well, just tell me where to look. And I kept seeing a train station. I kept seeing like a railroad and I kept saying, well, and, and I kept saying this. She goes, no, no, no. It was around Thanksgiving time. And they were going to take the train from Long Island, um, the Amtrak to Hilton Head Island where you are. And uh, so she kept saying, no, we we're supposed to go, but he's missing and now we're not going to. And she kept saying, no, focus. And, and I thought, oh, I kept thinking this is a nightmare. So, but I kept only seeing that. So finally she left and she wouldn't even pay me, actually. She left. She was referred by somebody 
And she said, I don't know why I came here. I came here. I was so distressed. I thought you would help me. You know, I, I'm in the worst place ever. I need to find my son. I wasted now an hour with you. And I, I apologized. And she said, and I'm not going to pay you. And I said, I don't, you know, I don't want your money. That's it. And she left. She called me three days later. It ended up that he wanted to jump in front of a train. Yeah. She went to um, go to Hilton Head. She heard her husband were going to go. And uh, at the last minute, she decided not to. And she was just driving past her local train station. And he was there. And he was going to jump in front of a train. And she parked the car. And she walked up to him. And he said, had she not shown up, that's what he was going to do. Needless to say, a week later, she calls me. And I did not take her call. And she knocks on my door. And I thought, oh, I, I'm having a bad day. I don't want it. You know, I... You know, I don't need this. And she she just kept knocking on my screen. And it's like, can I just talk to you for a second? And she apologized and said, I found him. But I and I said, I knew it had to be a train station. I said, I kept trying. And I apologized. I said, I kept saying, I tried to tell you. She goes, no, 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 it was me. I wasn't understanding. So even though these readings are helpful, I mean, it's stressful. I mean, it's not easy. It's not a, like, you you know, it's not looking in like, whoa, and just saying one, two, three. Yeah, you get pieces of the puzzle, but they make so much sense. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work for everybody, yes. Yeah, wow. So that was a happy situation. Um, It worked out okay. I mean, he's thriving. I mean, he's a you know, middle-aged man now, which is great, with six kids, so it worked out good. Um, wow. But, um, I mean, there's lots of them, but I realized that every story is different and unique, and it doesn't really matter the outcome because, again, it was always supposed to be, um, and that everybody... Um, passes for whatever reason they're supposed to and it is about closure for other people and how we then can vibrate through our own life with our other loved ones not here um, so that we can experience our journey the way we're supposed to and I absolutely concur with that before we wrap this up let's just go global we've talked very much about people's personal issues and I watch the other people who have podcasts in this genre and of course, you know, drama sells. So you see a lot of headlines that say, the psychic says this horrible thing is coming. Or it's funny, Annette, some people say horrible things are coming. Some people say beautiful things are coming. And I say, yes, that's life. But you as the psychic, what do you have to say for us about humanity and our future? I got a message from my guides about this this morning. But just the big picture. Well, I believe that actually we become much more united than we are separate in the future. I believe that um, in the next three to four years that there is going to be a major shift that, for example, I think COVID was a major shift. I think that COVID was not anything as the result of the outcome that anybody could have imagined their life changing and the way that businesses interact and the way that we go to work and the way that we exchange money and the way that we think. I think that COVID on a, a global you know, realm changed everyone's way of thinking. I believe that something similar is going to happen in three and a half to four years that is different than COVID, but um, similar in the way that we think. I do think that it has to do with technology and finances in uh, the financial world and that there will be a, I don't want to say a complete takeover, but there we will not exchange money the way that we do and we will not interact or um, barter the way that we do with money because um, that's going to collapse. Uh, which I don't want it to, you know, just uh, for the record, but I believe it will. And again, not because, you know, economics may say that it will or because people may think that, you know, cryptocurrency, and I'm not even talking about anything like that either, um, but it will be something similar to COVID, that it happens to us. And as a result, that we just smarten up 
And we realized that if we then all work together and we work out and figure out a result and the way to deal with it, we come up with the resolution. So it's not, it's not anybody, anything that anyone thinks like a cryptocurrency, anything that's on your radar right now. It happens to us and we are shell-shocked and it really does like the infrastructure of the world because it's like on a global stage and it is with your finances and the way that we interact and we partner in exchange. Um, it's a game changer. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where I, I, I can feel people saying, oh, I got to hoard my money. It won't help. That's no, what I hear. No, it's not going to help. Yeah, actually the opposite. I think it's, it's, we're supposed to, just like with COVID, how many times you hear people say, you know, it allowed me to not be in the rat race. I got to spend time with my family. We got to eat dinner together. We were playing, doing puzzles. I talked to my neighbor. I got to, you know, not work 60 hours a week, but work from my computer, you know, with, you know, business uh, attire up on top and my pajamas on the bottom. You know, I, I I think that it makes us more united. I feel like we feel like we've gone back 50 years in time and that we all love each other. We're working as a team. Um, I feel like right now it feels like everyone's kind of out for themselves and it won't feel like that. It's very much like a COVID united feeling. So even though in the beginning it doesn't feel fabulous, it is better in the long run. And, and that is the, the bottom line of what the, the guide said to me this morning in meditation was that it's through these challenges that evolution takes place right. and it's right. through the right. pain. And so we don't want it and we kick and scream, but that's why our guides don't give up on us. They have the bigger picture and say, ultimately, all is well. Right. Correct. I believe it. I believe that um, we have to have that or else we don't evolve. You know, we would stay the same job. We would stay married to the same person. We would parent the same way we do. We don't go to the doctor or we do too much or whatever. We need these things to happen to us to remind us that we're not the only one making the decisions, that we can let it loose to the universe, let somebody else help us, and we're not alone. And that, you know, there is a bigger picture for everybody. And I believe that we are all here. So it doesn't matter, you know, if somebody passes away, we can still connect with them on a regular basis and just differently. You know, we might not talk like we are now, but they're here. They're trying to get our attention if we want to listen. Beautiful. I was going to ask if you had anything else to say, and my guides went, nope, that's it. <laughs> that is it. What a beautiful note to end on. And Ned, I want people to reach out to you if they feel called to. Your email address, please. It's arspirits, S-P-I-R-I-T-S at AOL.com. That's the initial A, initial R, spirits at AOL.com. All right, watch your inbox. It's going to overflow. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you for your work that you do. I know you've helped me personally and you've helped many people and it's just going to keep flowing. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. I, I hope you enjoyed this hour. I certainly did. I learned some things I had no idea about and that's the whole point, isn't it? Y'all have a great week. We'll see you back here next week for another episode. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.